folks, you are listening to Rewriting Our Future, a Mind Control Exodus, with me, Paul Henning. Join us on our journey as we explore and actively work to deprogram ourselves from the forces in the world that socially engineer our lives. Are the politicians, doctors, scientific experts, and news anchors telling us the truth? Is school, pop culture, social media, and television programming supporting the development of our highest consciousness, healthiest bodies, and most sovereign selves? The more we research and listen to our intuition, the more we find that this answer is a loud and resounding no. And so, we are rewriting our future to opt out of the mind control these forces tirelessly aim to manipulate and coerce us with. Welcome to the show, where we are all figuring this out together. Hey everyone, welcome to episode two of Rewriting Our Future. This is the first episode of the segment I'm calling This Is This Is Why I Love You, and the guest is my wife, Catherine. Here we spend an, about an hour, and I get to tell her some of the reasons why I love her. And she gets to talk a little bit about how she makes such good friends, why, is she, why she's so confident and steady, how she was able to kind of avoid some of the mind control that many of us are indoctrinated into. We talk about how we want to move forward in the world together, and as a couple, and as potential parents in the future, and what real wealth means. And we tell a little story about one time we broke down in Cheyenne. All right, hope you enjoy. Hello, Catherine. Hi. Thank you (laughs) for being here today um, and joining me on the second episode of the podcast ever. My pleasure. The this is the first, uh, I guess, episode of the little segment that I want to do, called "This Is Why I Love You." Um, and I thought it would be the best person ever to have on as you, the person that I love the most in the whole world. Sweetie. Um, so thank you for being here. How was your day so far today? It was really good. I did <clears throat> a lot of stuff. I got a lot of stuff done. It's my Sunday today. I go back to work tomorrow. So it was very productive. Maybe not as restful as I would have liked, but I got a lot of stuff done, which was really nice. And now we have all evening to just chill, which is always a plus. So I'm good. Had a good day. How was your day? That's great. Um, my name is good. I worked and we hung out. Oh, I did some electronic stuff for these projects. Um, and my book came in, which was really awesome too, mm-hmm. because I recently finished my very first full-length published, self-published book. So it's a big day, three and a half years in the making. It's so cute too. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, and you did a bunch of great leather work for, Catherine is preparing for selling, she's vending at a festival in a few weeks in North Carolina. It's true. And so <laughs> there's going to be like 300 women at this festival, and she's one of the vendors so she's got to get up to speed with the amount of things that she's making. Um, I'll put your website and your Instagram in the show notes. Hell yeah. People can see your stuff. I wish we could. Next time, when we start doing a video, we'll put your bags on camera because they're amazing. Thank you. The Rustic Tote. The Rustic Tote will be showcased at Matriarch Rising Festival at the end of this month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So... The format to try to do moving forward is I'll just tell the audience how I get how I met the person that 
is something that I'm that I love. And then I guess I'm just gonna tell you some of the reasons why I love you and let you comment or not comment on <laughs> on them. Cute. Does that seem like a uh, reasonable purpose for a segment of a uh, podcast? Yeah, I think it's really cute. I mean, you've been wanting to do, you've been talking about it for a long time because mm-hmm. you have so many people in your life that you admire for so many different reasons. And so, um, yeah, I think it's a great idea. I love it. It's a little bit like vulnerable for both of us, but yeah. that's not a bad thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why I love you right there, because I have this idea that makes me a little bit uncomfortable, and you're like, I think it's a great idea. <laughs> um, but also, if you didn't think it was a good idea, you would be like, I don't know if that's <laughs> the best thing to do right now. Um, so that's part of why I love you. But Catherine is my wife. We met many years ago in 2016 in Peru, which I think I've mentioned that every single time I get on the mic, probably. Um I was traveling around by myself, and so was she, about to start a study abroad, and we met in a market through someone that I had met, and then a year later, she was like, when are you going to come visit me in Virginia? And I came to visit her, and the rest is history, and we have been married for a year and a half now, and we've been dating for five years and one month. So that's how I know you. (laughs) Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Well, I love you for many, many reasons, of course. But one of the first things that really stood out um, was that you... You always had the ability, well, ever since I started to get to know you, you always um, had many different kinds of friends. You are, uh, you would be friends with like some artist that was putting on like a, a show at a gallery in Charlottesville, and then you would be friends with some guy who builds motorcycles in his backyard, you know, or someone was going to like a carpenter or a tattoo artist or... A barista or, you know, 60-year-old men that work in school <laughs> districts or whatever, you know what I mean? Yes. So you're very personable. And most people don't have that kind of um, ability to engage sincerely with people of all different demographics. You know, most people are like, well, I'm... They just kind of cut people off, you know? Not everyone could talk to, like, um, a yoga teacher and, uh, I don't know tatted up mechanic in the same breath you know yeah but you can it's true it's quite rare yeah i think so too i mean i feel like you're like that which is part of why we're complementary of each other and well one of the many reasons but um i just think that everybody is so cool if you listen to them for long enough and so I just like, I've always, well, I, I've also always like, um, I don't know. I guess I remember at some point a shift happening in my mind from being like meeting people that were really cool and being like jealous of them. Mm-hmm. And then I remember in maybe my like late teens, early twenties having a, 
kind of a shift where I was like, oh, I don't have to be jealous of them if I just make them my friend and learn from them. Mm -hmm. And then I can be cool too. (laughs) So it was like, you know, that's part of the, that was part of the like, that that's part of like the the beginning of like healing that jealousy thing um but yeah then it just became like why wouldn't i be interested in everybody that i talk to everybody's so unique and has so many different sets of skills and i have so much to learn and i also like to do all different kinds of things and so it always felt really easy to just be like oh you do this thing i've always thought about doing that cuz i Definitely have been accused of the jack of all trades thing a little bit in my life, mm-hmm. um, which I'm quite proud of um, now. It took a long time to feel proud of that, but yeah, it just was like easy to see things in people that made them, that like lit them up, that made me excited too, to be able to connect with all different kinds of people. Yeah, well, that's awesome that it speaks to like a, um, Oh, humility, I guess, as I'm listening to you talk. I guess that's another thing that really stands out about you is that you're super humble in a way that uh, opens you up to making friends. Because like you said, you're more interested in being, you're more, when you meet people, you're more concerned about what you can learn from them than how interested they are in you. And that's really rare. Most people go around and they're kind of hyper-obsessed with how they look and how they're being perceived and so they're like they judge the group or the other person based on how they make them feel validated or something Mm -hmm. but you're just like sincerely out there to learn um, which makes you like mindful person you know so maybe that's tied into why you're so like in tune with your body and everything it's possible (laughs) it's true thank you Um, you know and you don't uh, yeah you don't hyper fixate on things that a lot of people do like how you dress for example you have a incredible style and you're like very sexy wife <laughs> um you're very beautiful but you are just so nonchalant about it when other people really stress about those things i mean uh, yeah i guess this is maybe gonna sound i don't know how this is gonna sound but for me like unless i'm looking in the mirror i don't think at all about how i look it totally is never on my mind. I have too much more important things to think about. Like, but I also am blessed with like great skin and good hair and I don't wear makeup and I don't put anything. I literally don't even use shampoo. Like, you know, so I understand that there's like a blessing aspect of that, but also it's just like, well, this is what I look like. So here we go. I'd rather, I'd rather not put too much time into, I don't know, into that the energy that it takes and at least in the lens of like the consumerist culture that we live in, you know, um, the self care lens is a place where it's like kind of, I've let it get away from me a little bit. Like, I think that I could Mm. use time to like take care of my face and my skin and stuff and let it be like a self care ritual. Mm -hmm. But as far as like, uh, beautifying up or whatever that's never really been my style yeah well it really um has you forming a lot of high quality relationships being the way you are like that which is why you have so many amazing friends which is what i noticed about you when i first met you so another thing that was kind of what we talked about at first is that uh 
Yeah, you've always just been like so supportive. Like for example, this podcast that I'm doing, that is really um, personal and kind of intense. It's not like we're going to talk about like true crime in Florida. You know, this is like about uh, our life and about some serious tragedy and pretty controversial topics. You know, and I don't know how many people I'm going to put this out to. I don't know if I'm ever going to really put it out to people that I know. But who knows? I mean, who knows? But the point is, is that you are open to supporting me, like spill my heart and mind out to the internet over some of the deepest personal topics and the most contentious issues of like the entire last like two of our time of our time yeah (laughs) Um, so that's incredible you know i feel like i can't imagine having a partner that would be like i guess a lot of people do but i just feel so lucky that you're not like paul that's you should probably just like sit down and deal with it yourself you know so it doesn't make you uh oh my god well how would that serve i mean how would that serve me at all you know if you turn it around it's like I mean, well, first, I think you're, like, one of the smartest people I know. And, you know, maybe you haven't read all the history books or whatever. Um, And can go on for two hours about, you know, like the way my dad can go off. Um, But you can connect dots in ways that I don't think other people do. And I also think that you're very creative. You have... Yeah, you're very, like, creative-oriented and like you're a writer and I've known you to be like a pretty prolific doodler and like these this like itchiness to just like express yourself and it always makes you happier it just makes you a happier person to be able to express yourself and so like what better way than to to talk it out and to like put it down and it's like a it's like a audio journal you know yeah um and so for me it's like I mean, what kind of mean person would I be if I was like, I think you should just do that on your own and never, like, spread your wings and try to figure out some new thing, you know? Um, yeah, I think it's it's not only important for you to express yourself, but it's important for me that you do, too. It's easy to support you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, I do feel better when I have... Uh, the ability to express myself creatively when I have the, the stamina mentally and emotionally and with time and stuff because we've had a really busy year and we haven't really had much time. Mm-mm. And so we decided in April that we were going to go hard to finish as many projects as we could by the one year anniversary of the house. And since then already, you're like making, you have like 10 leather bags hanging on in there and I have a book and now we have a podcast, you know? So yeah. once we had room to express ourselves creatively, it's like the Maslow's hierarchy or whatever. We were just, we were just literally dealing with like, emotional stuff and then getting our house our structure our uh what's it called like i don't know whatever the term is like caveman when you just have like something to live in and now that we have that we can move on above to like other creative things Mm -hmm. Um, but what about the aspect of like the fallout from because it's one thing for me to express myself and be able to do it like in therapy or like in my like right if i go to a writing group or if i have a journal or whatever but talking about heavy controversial things publicly in a way that other people could get involved with our personal opinions that does that i mean that's quite rare too that's but that's separate that's a separate compliment to you from supporting me to express myself this is like something that could come back to you yeah i mean 
I don't know. I don't really care. Like, I guess a few years ago, maybe I would have been more hesitant. Um, but I think that we've learned so much and we're pretty well equipped to have these conversations. And also like, I lost one of my closest friends because of this controversial stuff you speak of, right? Um, one of the many topics, but I was literally not invited to her wedding. This has been my, my friend since we were 12 years old. Like I was not invited to her wedding because I did not comply with the medical mandate. Um, and so like, so what if people find out it doesn't matter like that relationship I mourned heavily and also I understand that the direction that we're moving especially the speed that we're moving in it is like it, it's just it's not it's unstoppable there's no reason to like I keep I'm imagining like putting trying to put a rock in a fountain in the middle of a sidewalk you know what I mean? Like, there's no reason to stop or it because it's going to happen. And mm -hmm. so we might as well just, like, lean in and enjoy it. And I don't care. Like, people have always had opinions about me. Yep. <laughs> it's none of my business, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I feel really strongly that we are doing our best and we really are trying to be well-educated and, and make the right decisions. And so it feels really easy to just, like, let let – let it out there, let it be what it is. And if it comes back to us, we'll handle it with grace and, and it'll be totally fine. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Cause I am still like getting there. You know, I have, uh, just something that you've helped me a lot with is like the whole imposter syndrome thing. I think it's such a cliche to, to say, um, that, that expression, it can be such like a, I don't know. It's almost just like a corporate thing nowadays. But it's real, you know, and uh, with you here supporting me, I can feel more grounded in my own uh, self, you know. But also now being married and having you with me and being like ob obligated to you, responsible for you in a way that the marriage is, you know. Um, I understand now that I need to be able to be more grounded and strong in who I am and what I believe. You know, I, I can't really afford to, to like just tiptoe around the most important issues of life, <laughs> you know? And it was so easy. It's so easy for a long time for, for us to do that. Most to go along, to get along, you know? And some people say that's what, like, that's what school is. That's what mass religion is. They just, you're supposed to be grouped into groups and stay in line and don't raise your voice too loud, whether you're at the church or at the school, so that you don't interrupt the group. Um, and I, you know, part of the show is called a mind control exodus. And I think that that's part of the mind control is the thing that I need from you is to be able to stand in my own confidence, whether or not I'm going to be wrong. And because that is a, a marker of how much light we can bring to the world and how strong we are. Um, and so before you, I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have stood against the crowd, you know, but now I realize as soon as we started speaking up and, and, uh, 
you know, connecting with people who are like that, we realize that you, you don't ever, I don't have to stand against any crowd by myself. One person, like you're saying, one person talks some shit or whatever. Now you have 10 stronger people by your side mm-hmm. that can support you, even if they're from afar, that maybe you don't even know that well. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it's true. I mean, I think, I think it's easier to imagine being so grounded in, um, you know, speaking about these things that we've learned as, as we move toward the chapter of starting a family, you know, it's like, who Mm -hmm. are we going to be as parents and what does that look like? Um, because I don't want to be the kind of parent who can't do that. Mm -hmm. I want to be the kind of parent who knows, who knows what I what I want to, what values I want to instill in my children. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's like zooming out a little bit, but I mean, I think that for myself too, I don't want to be the kind of person who can't speak up when I see something that's wrong, you know, yeah. I want to do the right thing. And I think that in what you were talking about with this, like group think that is the indoctrination of, you know, our schooling and our, our girl scouts and our Eagle scouts and the military and all of this, like, of course we don't want to stand against the group. And especially when the media is actively like demonizing people who do, it's really scary and it's really hard and it's really confusing. Mm -hmm. And so like, not only is our indoctrination trying to, are we, not only are we trying to break out of our indoctrination of that, but we're also standing in the face of like fire because it, people are horrible to anybody who goes against the grain, you know? Um, so it's really scary. And I just think that there's, yeah, I, I guess, especially in the last couple of years for me, it has become apparent that there's too much to lose not to not to talk about it all. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And part of why like I feel like I can trust you is because you aren't super fickle. You don't have like a flippy floppiness that I think that I have had, you know? Um like you I can see you now in the last couple of years standing more in your own uh, unique brand of confidence. And I can imagine over your life, it's like built up to that, you know, but like in contrast, a lot of people, myself included throughout different chapters of our lives, it's like right now I love this and this is what I believe. And I'm going to, you know, shake my fist or you know, whatever about it. And then it's like, okay, now I transition sometimes soon into a different chapter. It's like, well, now this is what I believe in. Now this is what I love. Um, and I'm going to stand behind this. And that, maybe that's all part of the, you know, social engineering to keep us all like not knowing or whatever. Um, but for you, you have, um, seems like for your adult life, you have been, more grounded in your body and your community and you didn't really get on and off of all these like trends right like you didn't you don't follow like fashion trends you don't follow like social trends you don't follow political trends you are hanging out with people of maybe different trends but um in the past where they would have been like don't you know like don't you know who antifa is or don't you know that you know blah 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 
Oh my god, that did happen to me once. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> and then you could be like, okay, but you're like, and checked. I was like, no. You're like checked. You're like checked <laughs> out. Uh, instead of being instead of being susceptible to the flashy, distracting, horrible lights of the propagandists, mm-hmm. you were just like steady and flowing, you know. And all of that is like you just built slowly, like a wave. And like a lot of us are just like up, down, up, down, like a fucking seesaw or something. I don't know if my metaphors are working or, uh, I'm following their analogies, not metaphors. I don't know, but yeah. And so now I can like see you like building like, you know, and it's like coming into this like strength. Um, and so now like, which I think is the most powerful, one of the most powerful parts of our marriage is like, because I'm somebody who's been more like seesaw, seesaw, look, bright and shiny idea, you know? I can feel like I'm on a seesaw because my mind is changing, but now I can look to you and I can just be like, okay, this like giant wave is still there and you can like give me a nod or like a shake and I know whether or not I am on a right track, you know, um, mm. and that's really powerful. Thank you. It's really great because I have a lot of energy and I can change my mind a lot and so I, I really need somebody who can help me focus that and put it in a direction that is going to not only help me and our relationship but the the whole tide of the way that the world is going you know thank you yeah thank you that's really nice I love you. I love you too. <laughs> I don't think all my guests are going to say that back. But maybe they will, I guess, if they're here. They probably will. Just bring up some of my high school buddies. Yeah. Like, I love you, bro. <laughs> They'll be like, love you too, man. Um, yeah, I mean, I think to speak to that a little bit, I guess, the I was raised in a very interesting environment with my parents and um i was really taught to question everything authority question question what i was being taught question just question everything you know and that really backfired on them for a while um but it made it so that by the time i was out you know i moved out when i was 18 and i moved to a, a city that's pretty close by where i grew up a couple hours away and um it made it really easy to be like wow when people would talk about stuff that was happening in the news because I just never paid attention because I, I guess maybe that's due to my parents that I just knew that the news was propaganda because of my parents or at least that most of it was bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it made it really easy to be like, wow, that doesn't sound right. Like mm-hmm. to listen to other people talk about stuff that was going on, it just never or rarely, I should say, um, made any sense. And so it was just like, okay. And so I didn't have any opinion about the stuff that was going on in the world. Basically, until the last couple of years, I started to really discover what the truth was in my own way. Mm-hmm. Um, and before that, it was just, I, I mean, and many, many people our age, I think, would call that irresponsible because I'm not, like, empowering myself with the knowledge of the day-to-day by listening to NPR or whatever. It's, like, very irresponsible of me. I have the privilege not to know or whatever. Yeah, you're ill-informed. I was very ill-informed. I was very, very, very ill-informed compared to um, the other, like, liberal people in my life at that time. Um, But it just never sat right. So I just was, like... I mean, and this ties back to the first thing that you were talking about is that I just chose to be, like, "Mm, I don't really know what you are talking about, but let's 
let's sit down and play guitar and let's still hang out. Or, you know, how can I help you with this motorcycle or whatever? It was, it, it was always easier to be talking to people about basically themselves and life than politics and the news and all of that stuff. So yeah, more tangible things. Yeah. Just like, well, that doesn't really sit right. So I don't really want to talk about it. Yeah. Because like now they, you know, I'm learning now, like when people stand up and they're like, this is the answer. You're like, no, that this is, that person is not to be trusted. (laughs) Whether or not they're intentionally manipulating you or not, people that stand up and claim to have the truth and the, the solutions to everything Mm -hmm. that it can't be right, you know, most of the time. And so you were able to, people will be like, did you know that this is why so-and-so is at war with so-and-so? And so I can have an opinion about it. X, Y, Z, closed case. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just knew that there, things are more nuanced and complicated. And there's no, like what you've always said, you've been like, if you, like, if you work in a small environment, mm-hmm. anyone can pick any job. Think mm-hmm. about, this is what I, I, this, I mentioned this on the last episode too, but think about where you guys work, whoever's listening. Think about your supervisor. Um, if you have a supervisor, I guess you're self-employed, some of these people out there, but. Hell yeah. They're, hell yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like. You don't even know everything that your boss does, probably. Yeah, you see, like, yeah, this this idea came to me when I worked in the in the National Park Service a couple years ago. May I? Go for it. Um, but I remember one day looking at my boss and just being like, wow, I probably know, like, 5 to 10% of what he does, not only in his day, but in his entire job. And not to he, mention his personal life. Yeah, I knew more about his personal life than his job, probably. Yeah. Um <laughs> we spent so much time in the car together, but, um, but yeah, like if I only know that fraction of what he does during the day at his job, then his supervisor, I probably barely know like one or 2%, maybe. And then above that zero. And then above that also zero, obviously, and on and on and on. And so how can I have an opinion, even my, even my direct supervisor about his choices and what he's doing? Like, I don't fucking know what he's what he's deciding between you know I don't know what's going on um and so yeah it just like it never made sense to me that we could have I don't know I think about too like I worked in the restaurant industry for so long and it I the drama of a restaurant industry is so rich you know and like you never know the whole story you hear stuff but you Mm -hmm. never know the whole story and like so how could you ever possibly fucking know what's going on in the in the even in your own county all the way or even in like your own neighborhood we don't know and so it doesn't make any sense that people could like you said that example of the war and the like this country against this country and this is my opinion it's like this president's good and this one's bad because <laughs> like, i know you have no fucking idea what you're talking about you know yeah. um yeah you don't even know what your own coworkers are doing half the time they're on a job like it doesn't make any sense right and, like, the restaurant industry is such a good example because if you take a politician and you compare it to, like, a fucking bartender or a server or a waitress or the host, and if you imagine being in... We've all worked in restaurants. Or take any job, I guess, this customer service, customer facing. If the camp... Picture the politician as if the, the waitress was talking to the table. And then as soon as she walks away from the table, the TV turns off. Mm-hmm. And all you get to see is the version of them... That is standing while it says live. But the majority of the time at the restaurant, all of us servers are like, who knows what we're doing? We're out mm-hmm. back smoking weed. We're like taking naps in the freezer <laughs> or we're talking shit or planning our next job or like 
sneaking fries off plates. I don't know, maybe that wasn't something everybody did. But the point is this, that, like, it's just all... When you, when you put it like this, it's obvious that we don't know what the fuck is going on. But um, most of us don't know. Most of us just take it for face value, except for people like you. You're like, until I entered this community of, like, truth seekers in the last couple of years... Um, you were like the only person I ever met, but now I bet I actually I met I bet I bet I had met more. I just never I couldn't recognize them because yeah. I was so far into the mind control I, I wouldn't even identify somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So thank you for that, <laughs> um, for not being a fucking sheep. Um, even if you didn't know, like you're we're so much more well informed than when we met. But you just knew back then. You just mm-hmm. had it intuitive because that goes back to something else that I love about you is your ability to be in tune with your body, you know? Um, it's like that John Mulaney joke. He's like, people don't know what's going on with their girlfriends. I can't, I know everything that's going on with my girlfriend. She's like, my stomach hurts or whatever. Uh, I, you are very in tune with your body. And that intuition is the whole thing that I try to teach at my job as a health coach. It's like, people are like, well, how do I know when to eat or not? It's like, well, are you hungry? And they're like, well, I don't know if I'm hungry. It's like, well, that seems bad. They're like, I just know that when the TV's on, I eat. And when I sit down for my 30 minutes from work, I'm supposed to eat. And it's like, that has nothing to do with their natural hunger cues or satiation. Or People have no, people have no idea what their bodies are telling them. Mm-hmm. Like, I talk to these people every day. I send 100 messages to people across the world that don't even fucking know Basically, if they're hungry or not. Yeah. And if they are hungry, they don't even know what they need. People are like, people snack. They don't know if they're thirsty. That might sound crazy. It sounds crazy to me, but I think anyone listening could could feel that. But you are in tune with your body. And so if you're in tune with your body, then you can, you know, be in tune with your spirit and your consciousness. And then if someone... You know, I can be like, you want another bite? You can be like, no, I don't want another bite. You push the plate away, where a lot of people will be like, mm, sure, it's tasty. <laughs> um, so the same, I think, goes with content. People are like, you want some propaganda? You're like, no, thanks. It doesn't feel like mm-hmm. it's going to serve me well. Like, I don't want that's going to give me a fucking bellyache. Mm-hmm. But most people are like, yum, yum, yum. You know, they just keep like, it's all tied together, you know. Well, it's the mindlessness aspect, I think, too. And, yeah, I mean, we're taught to just like blindly plow through life i feel like we're just mm-hmm. not taught that there's a school yeah and 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 a multitude of other reasons as well like being bombarded with chemicals and sugar and all of these crazy things since we're young it's like no wonder people are having a hard time figuring out because people feel like garbage <laughs> most people have chronic illnesses because of all of these things you know and it's just uh yeah to be attuned it's interesting because to be in tune with my body is something that is uh, very positive and also can be kind of intense where I'm like, can't get out. I, I need things in my life to help me balance that. But I do like to help me get out of my head in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I love motorcycles, you know. But um, Hell yeah. <laughs> I think that that's why I think that that's better then going the opposite direction, coming from a space of like having no awareness and trying to add that awareness in is much harder than mm-hmm. where, you know, I was taught, I was really taught to listen to my body because mm-hmm. um, of my mom, really. Um, and so, yeah, it's like the building of the intuition. It, it makes it easy to listen to people talk about the news and stuff and be like, that makes no sense. Um, that's, that's actually 
serving your demise, mm -hmm. but you can't feel it. Well, I think that's why some of the work that we've done in the past couple of years and some of the stuff that we've learned has been so like powerful because we're talking about objective truth. We're listening to people like Mark Passio and thinking about what is right versus what is wrong. Like you can't fucking argue with that. Like mm -hmm. there's no, there's nothing more to be distilled from that. Mm -hmm. And so it's really cool to be setting a foundation in our knowledge that's based out of that. Mm -hmm type of information instead of like i don't know instead of just what they want you to believe yeah you know or even not even that but even just the even the counter culture the truth seekers all of this it's like you know i listen to people that i love listening to and they talk about stuff and sometimes i'm like wow i haven't even seen this because i'm so mm -hmm. i've i've gotten to a point now where i'm so detached even from like the true news you know of mm -hmm. what's going on um that I just, like, I just have more important things to focus on. Because you're always like that. This is because you're steady. <laughs> it's the same thing. Just because we're in a new chapter, yeah. you're still your steady self. Thanks. You can just tap into the content. But now your news is not Fox or CNN. Your news is, like, these people. They're these, like, independent, censored, off-grid, off-the-tax-system journalists. Yeah. And you still listen to them probably as much as you listen to the regular news. Or mm -hmm. maybe a little more, but... It's just part of your steadiness, you know, yeah. and that's and that's why you still have stronger intuition now, um, because and that's a good that's a good percentage, you know. I heard somebody talking the other day about this this Pareto principle that we talked about forever, the eighty twenty thing. Yeah, you know, like for those that aren't aware, like you can use this principle. Apparently, it's like you know some thing that can be seen over and over in nature. But it's like if you work in a car dealership, twenty percent of the people that work there produce eighty percent of the sales, and um, there's all these ways that you can find this ratio in your life. And um, somebody was saying the other day that like 80% uh, of your life should be spent in, um, in joy, mm -hmm. you know, and that's, or in, in your body in like doing intuitive things, you know, which takes me back to like what you do, you know, you, you play music and you like, you know, all day you've been working on leather work with your hands, mm -hmm. you know, sewing and cutting and stuff. Instead cursing. of just like, what's that? And cursing. And cursing <laughs> and throwing things. Um, but yeah, that's really powerful. And, uh, and that brings me as a nice um, transition into something else that I love about you. Wow. I have a lot of things I love about you because we're married, so I don't know how many I'm going to have for everyone else, but probably a lot still, but for you, the most. So you have a, uh, you have a temperament towards the tangible world. What I mean is like one of the first things that you did when I met you was you did your brakes on your car, you know? Oh my God, really? And, um, and you were... Oh my gosh, I remember that. cooking. And you, like you said, you would help your friends fix motorcycles or um, all kinds of stuff like that. You know, now you do leather work and you garden and uh, I could go on and on about all the, oh, like painting. Like you were for for a while professionally last year, you were like literally doing drywall. You know, <laughs> like it wasn't fun, but you at least were you were you went towards it. Um, like painting, and you could stucco the walls or whatever. Um, and a lot of us, you know, it's especially rare for a woman, but a, a lot of us are dis dissuaded from. Those kinds of things, you know, 
but it's amazing. You know, like I think one of the, something happened one time where like we had a clock that was broken or something, or no, a record player. My parents' record player was broken and it had been broken for probably like ten years, and you took it apart and you fixed it and you put it back <laughs> together and then you're like, hey, I'm playing a record, you know. Um, people don't even know how record players works, but you're like, you just took it apart and you realize that like the belt came off mm-hmm. and you slipped the belt back on and you put it back together and then the record played, mm-hmm. you know. Um, that's really powerful and I think that that ties into this intuition you have thanks um, yeah I, I I have always been I guess tactile is that mm. is that the word like mm-hmm. more tactile mm-hmm. I just like to be able to I just like to be able to handle business I guess it's nice to it's, <laughs> it's nice to be able to um it's nice to be able to rely on myself. I think that the, you know, in some in some capacity, I think about the propaganda that was really pushed on my generation as as young women, especially, um, where it was like you're a strong, independent woman who don't need no man. That mm-hmm. statement is full propaganda, I believe. Right. Um, and at the same time, as a young woman, that obviously had some type of impact on me. I mean, I was like when I started driving, I asked my dad to show me how to change the tire. So I never needed to call anybody mm-hmm. if I had a flat. Um, and I never have. And like, yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I think also I've just always had a, um, a really busy brain. And when I do stuff with my hands, I can't think about anything else except for what I'm doing, which is really refreshing. Like being on a motorcycle. Like being on a motorcycle or, or trying to fix, you know, like I always used to say that, um, if there was a job where like people would just drop off their gold chain, tiny little gold chain jewelry necklaces that were all in knots, Mm -hmm. that's my dream job. I would sit all day long. You heard it here first, folks. Get them. (laughs) Untangled gold chains. It's true. Um, Silver chains, too. Um, (laughs) But I love doing that kind of stuff. I don't know why. I mean, it's just fun. It's, like, nice to be able to just sit and, yeah, Yeah. I I love that kind of stuff. I guess some people have video games that kind of takes that. The, like, disengagement of the brain in a way. Problem solving and, you know, hand-to-brain connection. Plus, like, I mean, with the mechanics... The mechanics stuff, you know, like I had an, as you know, I had a 1998 old green Honda Accord for a really long time. I loved that car and I could fix almost everything on it. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I couldn't fix when it broke was the transmission and that's fair, <laughs> I think. Yeah, and you could have if you had had the time. <laughs> yeah, but um, I got to know that car really well and there's something about, you know, like being, like disengaging your mind can be done in a lot of different ways and these ways that we're talking about feel really productive too mm-hmm. it's not like you mentioned video games like video games i've never had any interest in that because it feels like a waste of time i mean there's story there's story element to it which is interesting but like what are you are you gaining anything from that you know mm-hmm. if you get a knot out of a gold chain you at least have a necklace at the end <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i mean i don't think that yeah i got you yeah yeah i mean the people love it they love their video games but yeah for you and uh, no judgment but right. it's not for me yeah i got you, <laughs> you, you need your yeah, you, 
breaks need to get redone. <laughs> I ain't got time for that stuff. Um, yeah, I, you know, one of the first things, like, we had, uh, we met in Peru, and then I went to go visit you for one day, and then I went back to visit you for four days. A year between, with a year, year between. between. And then I went back three months later, and I visited you for, like, two or three days for your birthday. Yeah. And then after that, I was moving from... Everglades National Park in Southern Florida to Olympic National Park in Northwest Washington State, literally corner to corner of the entire continent, contiguous United States. And you invited yourself, I think, to come with me, or I invited you. We sort of mutually invited me. Yeah, and it was the the best thing that ever happened, but uh, we decided that I would pick you up in Denver. And so you flew to Denver. Yeah, because not only were you driving from South Florida to the Northwest corner of the country, you also, first you were going to drive all the way home, which was South, South, South Texas. So you mm-hmm. drove from South Florida up and around the Gulf all the way down to South mm-hmm. Texas and then up to Washington. So it was a proper, yeah. you really covered a lot of ground. But yeah. I, like the, the route looks like a lowercase h. Yeah. You know, but I did it from the right to the left. But yeah, I flew to Denver. So you were already well, yeah. well into your trip. Mm-hmm. And so I drove from South Florida and then I arrived in South Texas where I had picked up a truck that I bought because my other... Uh, truck. It was uh, dead. It, it died. And so <laughs> I, I bought this uh, used, like, 2008 or 10 Dodge, maybe 2011 I think it was Dodge yeah. Ram four-wheel drive, no, four-door. Badass. White. It looked like a company rig. It was all black inside, and it was fucking clean, because it was straight from it the It was dealership. awesome. I picked <laughs> it was a great truck. I picked Denver airport, like, Two days after I got that. Thing. Yeah, I was like, ooh, and who is so this big, guy? Yeah, you were like, oh shit. <laughs> That's a big and truck. So we weren't even dating yet. <laughs> and then uh, we spent the night in a cabin in Rocky Mountain National Park that a friend of mine had. And then the next day we were going to pick up my In trailer. the park, because you were an employee there. And yeah, he so we, still lived in the park. Mm-hmm, so we got like access to this like cabin for park employees in a place where like no tourists would ever get to stay that close, basically. Um, and then we, the reason I bought the truck because I had a trailer that I was going to drive and live in. In, in Port Angeles, Washington, where Olympic National Park was. I was a seasonal employee there. So I had to get this 26-foot trailer from Denver to Port Angeles, Washington. And so I bought this truck. And uh, 1500 spoiler alert, I needed like a 2500 for the size of the trailer. I just didn't do the fucking math. And I thought I had trailer brakes, and I didn't. So it was a mess. <laughs> you, it was the second day of our 10-day trip. We had only spent a week together in real life over a period of a year. Two years. Two years. We had spent maybe 10 days together over the period of two years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you came out and I was like, all right, this woman is incredible. And here I, she's going to be with me on this road trip for 10 days. And because you were going to fly out of Seattle back to Charlottesville to go back to work. Um, and I was like, wow, this is the basically like the greatest blessing of my entire life. And so this, we woke up at the cabin. We went to the storage, the unit. storage unit where my truck, where my trailer had been for the season for a while since I had my last summer season and um we connected the truck to the trailer and we pulled out and of course you probably just hopped out and were like guiding me with the truck to get back to the trailer you know and I didn't really know you that well um and as soon as I pulled out of that place I realized that that fucking truck was not going to be strong enough and then we got on 25 North and we headed towards Cheyenne, where we were supposed to be on that road for like 10 hours. Yeah. And I could go like 52 miles an hour with the pedal fully down. Yeah. And we had to go over mountain passes through like Idaho. And then we had to go through the 
Snoqualmie Pass in Washington and through Montana and shit. Mm-hmm. And it was still April. And so we knew there was going to be snow. And I didn't even check the tire pressure on the trailer <laughs> after it had been in storage for like six months. At least. Yeah. And we're, we're like an hour and a half north of Denver, south of Cheyenne, Wyoming, when going slow as fuck, holding up traffic. And this car passes us, and they're all waving at me like crazy and pointing. And one of my two driver's side trailer tires had completely blown out, and it was just throwing rubber all over the road. Thank God those things were double axle. And there were no motorcyclists behind us. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) And then I pull over, and it was starting to blizzard. And so these snowflakes are coming down. (laughs) The sky's all grayed out. We're on the side of the fucking interstate. Um... Well, we were able to pull off onto like a little Mm. dirt. It was like a dirt frontage road. Mm -hmm. We like limped it until we could cross the, it was like a culvert almost. Yeah, which could have been bad because we had We could have tilted, but we went far enough that it was flat enough that we could cross the culvert. And so we were on this like dirt frontage road. Basically in the middle of nowhere. Snowing. And it's starting to snow and I got a flat tire and no, I don't know if I had a spare, but I couldn't. And then I was like. Well, let me check it out. And I hop out, and I'm like, I gotta change this tire. And so I go back up to the passenger seat, and I'm like, hey, just so you know, I gotta change this tire, so it's gonna like be a minute or whatever. And you just hopped out and put your raincoat on, and you just got right to it, you know. And we grabbed a tire iron, I got under it, and it was like starting to get wet and muddy and shit, and it was cold as hell. And you just had a big smile on your face, <laughs> and I remember being so embarrassed. You hadn't even been with me for 24 hours, and we're on the side of the road in a blizzard in Wyoming <laughs> with a busted down trailer. Like, we can't even go anywhere, you know? And, uh, well, at least we had a place to sleep. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and I was just like, and you're like down there, you're like, well, let's get this fucking tire changed. And I was just like, pues, dale. And then, uh, turns out we couldn't get the thing high enough off the ground to get the tire off or something, and this guy came up. Russ. Russ. And he came up and he was like, how y'all doing? And we were like, well, not good. And he's like, tell you what, you need to limp this thing about a mile up the road. He said two city blocks. <laughs> two city blocks that way. Even though there's like, we're in the mountains. <laughs> it's just there's like no block. flat Wyoming, like nothing, yeah. <laughs> two city blocks up, you'll find a, RV. an RV park yeah. called Terry Bison Ranch. <laughs> and uh, so we... We were like, all right. And then we got back in the car and I think I looked at you and I was like, chapter one. Yeah. Russ. And that was five years ago. Yeah. And now we still say like chapter whatever, whoever, you know. Whatever, yeah. Like some, we don't remember any other, other chapters, some, but Russ, Russ yeah, is an important part of that. serendipitous stuff. But, uh, and then, you know, the whole trip changed and, and the trailer, the trailer never made it out of Cheyenne. It was uh, <laughs> just well, like, it lasted but, like four hours and we put it right back into a storage unit. It was yeah. ridiculous. But, and then I was like, you know what? I'm going to ruin this woman's trip trying to figure this out. Let's just leave the trailer and I'll find a place to live when I get there. And then we had an incredible 10 day road trip. Um, and then the story goes on, but the point of all that, thank you all for indulging us. <laughs> the point of all that was that the very, like the first day that you and I were really together where it wasn't just like a visit where we were like on the road doing something. Mm-hmm. Um, we had this major inconvenience that could have shut down, I think, a lot of people or been super stressful. But we just crushed it. We treated Terry Bison like it was... 
Oh my god, it was so a fun. A treasure yeah. that we had stumbled across. We went into the restaurant, you know, it was like this RV park in Wyoming, you know. Just like cowboys everywhere. It was yeah, amazing. Yeah, we were like, this is how people end up. Like back in the day, if we were real, we would just oh, move Oh, we would here. just live there, like, yeah. If our wagon wheel had busted and it was like 1818 or 1918 instead of 2018, we would have just lived there and yeah. Cheyenne forever. And it would have been fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked it there. But uh, you all, you just were like, it's cool, you know. And you just look at me like it's your it's your show, man. But you were not going to be bummed. You're not going to be like, oh, this fucking guy is a flat tire and it's snowing and we're in an RV park. Yuck. We're supposed to be like in Airbnbs or whatever, you know. Uh, you were just like, everything is cool. We're stoked. Like, we're living in the moment. Um, and that was really part of a, one of the reasons. I was like, damn. I think by the end of that trip, we were in love. Ten That's days true. Um, so... That's one thing. <laughs> um, are you good to keep going a little bit? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, another thing that I come to love more and more about you is the uh, increasing awareness and depth in which you show me and teach me what a woman is. And I know this is a controversial topic these days. That's literally a documentary that makes people, like, fucking crazy. But I always knew that everyone was special and that, you know, to treat everyone with respect and all this. But through you and seeing you in these last few years and knowing you, I have, like, a... I have, like, a a prehistoric reverence for womanhood now, I think that is often like discouraged or eliminated from the modern um, thought process, you know? And it's really funny because right now there's like all this drama going on about what a woman is and who can be a woman and all this shit. But... It's just crazy. Like, I don't know if it's because of all that that this is happening, if it's the yin-yang, if the balance, if the inversion is balancing itself. But um, being with you now, you know, every, all the time I, I learn from you how much more respect to have for you and for women and for mothers and grandmothers. And as that respect and reverence rises, I realize that I am nearly not equipped to be partnered with such power and because of that I have to rise myself congruently as a man as your partner and so in order to do that I have to be able to define what it means to be a man and what it means to be myself as a man and that is turning out to be the greatest lesson and challenge of uh, my entire life and it's the the challenge that I look forward to the most you know it's just trying to match your womanhood especially as we're on the cusp of maybe starting a family in the next year or so um, and the community of women that you're surrounding yourself with and the way that you talk and stuff and so um, yeah I just want to thank you for that thank you I don't know what to say. You know what to say. <laughs> it's very um, 
That's a big deal. It really is powerful, and I can go on forever about that, but I won't do that here today. But maybe another episode I will. Mm-hmm. And It's really beautiful. I think that a lot of men could benefit from knowing what I am now beginning to understand. And it's worth talking about, because like I said, it is the... It creates the most important, specific challenge of my life. Um, and it is so important that it there is, there's no way that I can't strive to match it. I would be, if I didn't try to match it, I would have to like go walk away from you, basically. Like, uh, if I wasn't, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm not trying, maybe it sounds like I'm being overly dramatic or something. But, no, I get you. I, I mean, I understand what you're saying. I just, it's, you know, and you're, you know, Gather's been a part of this community in the last couple of years um, of women that are uh, commun- communing in their womanhood and their motherhood and their sisterhood. And um, it really is a beautiful thing. And I have recently met a man that is married to one of the women you met in this community, and he's quickly becoming one of my best friends. Yeah. I've, just, I've hung out with this guy like literally five times, and I feel like we could share so much with each other on levels that I can't with many other men in my life mm-hmm. because we are tied through our women to this ancient truth yeah. and respect. And so like, I meet this guy, and his wife is from the Free Birth Society. <laughs> and so like, I don't even... We're on a whole other level, it seems mm-hmm. like. Um, so I'm really excited. When it feels that way for me with her, too. I mean, we met through... We're in, it's so... Um, the Free Birth Society is a is a an online platform essentially, um, and the woman in charge of it she also has a lot of other things, courses, all this stuff. Um, but she also has a private membership that you can join. Um, it's a little pricey, but it's it's well worth it. Um, and it's just like thousands of women all over the world, or at least hundreds of women all over the world talking about all kinds of things outside the system and like, you know, medical solving medical issues outside the system. Primarily the whole focus of it is birthing outside the system because birth has been just horrifically co-opted by the modern industrial medical complex. But, um, but it's so much more than that because it's women talking about healing ancestral intergenerational trauma issues, these things, how do we rise above these patterns in our family lineages? And also how do we heal our sister wounds? How do we not feel like that thing I was talking about earlier of being like that transition that I had in my, in my early adulthood that was like, Oh, I I don't need to be jealous of this person. I can like learn from them. Um, and so this is a community of women who are actively trying to do that, which is so hard with other women in our current society. Like we are 100%, I believe, in our current systems, in schooling especially, to, to, like, go head-to-head with other women. And in my opinion, that's because there's nothing more powerful than a bunch of women who are on the same fucking page Mm -hmm. and who are, like, fighting for each other and with each other. Um, And so that's interesting, you know? And so you Mm -hmm. talk about this you know, reflection to you of what I'm learning and the work I'm doing. And I think it makes total sense because the, f- the familial 
line and backbone is through women birthing their babies and also through men who help raise those babies Mm -hmm. and support the women while they do that. And so it makes sense that, you know, your instinct is to rise with me as I learn all of this stuff. Um, it's really beautiful. I'm very grateful to have you as my partner. Yeah, so am I. And it's funny because it's not like, I mean, you have, you have to earn that kind of mutual respect and that's what like great love is, you know, it's not like I, it's not just like any woman that happened to be in my life. I could be like, wow, I'm going to follow you anywhere just because you're a woman. It's like, that's not, um, it's like the fact that, um, you are doing such great inner work and communal work that is part of why I can trust you. And so I can trust you for one and you're a woman. Um, and so that's what makes it, um, and because yeah, that's what part of what makes sense. I think a really strong pair moving forward. Um, I agree. It was like my buddy Dave at our wedding when he spoke at the speech in front of everyone with his suit on, he was like, he said this really cool thing. I don't know if he got it from like wedding speeches. No, he told the whole he, story. He made it up. Yeah. Well, he was like, or no, not the speech, but I mean this one expression where he's like, uh, it was so cool. I should give him credit for making it up because it was great. But he just said, um, uh, Paul, they started dating and Paul was like, man, I'm really dating, I'm dating this woman. I really think she's awesome. I think that she's out of my league. She's like too cool and for me. Um, and then too good for me, too good for me. Yeah. And then, or I'm not good enough for her or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And then he met Catherine and then they had a chance to talk without me for a moment. And then Catherine was like, I don't know. I think this guy's like out of my league. He's like too good for me. And he was like, that's how you know that they're right for each other because <laughs> they're both, uh, striving to, to be better for each other. And it's just, it's just grown since then. I mean, that was years ago, you know, and now these things that we're on, it's, a it's been really beautiful. Um, yeah, and so now as we wrap this up, because um, I could go on forever, but Sweetie. the... I'd let you. <laughs> <laughs> I will turn it off a little. <laughs> Take it offline, as it were. <laughs> um, oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we've we grown so much, you know, and from before we were like, wow, we're just trying to move in the same house and get rid of our roommate and save some money and do some traveling, you know. Uh, but now, literally now we're like, okay, what is the most important thing we can do as a pair? This is what we talk about all the time. And the most important thing that we've come up with is that we can break the spells that is the mind control from the propaganda of the systems in place, heal our intergenerational trauma and offer our future children and our community what we believe is like real wealth, you know? And that is like love and self-sustainability. And what you offer is like that intuition, the ability to know what is good for your body and mind and what is not, you know, which is why the gardening is such a big part of our life. Even though we've been gardening now four years and we can barely grow shit because everything is so challenging. It's hard. (laughs) But we like, I swear, if if we had a good piece of land for it, we would just crush it. But we, you know, we will be better. We will never stop growing food probably now and um that's part of it you know because we were talking the other night about obviously we all need money we need to pat we want to give our children money we want to give ourselves money we don't just want to slave you know wage slave our 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 days away at the worky jobs instead of like 
doing spiritual growth with our families. But the truth is, if you create a massive amount of financial wealth to give to your children, that wealth, what do they say? They say it's like I read, it's like shirt sleeves to shirt collars in three generations. Everybody knows just intuitively that you're not going to give generations of your family lots of money. It will disappear no matter what the amount is. It'll just get divided over and over until it gets disappeared. And some people might really do well with it. But the people that would have done well with it are probably the kind that don't really need it to begin with, maybe, you know? And I'm not trying to discount creating wealth just because I'm, like, having a hard time doing it. Um, I think it's obviously very important. But I just am speaking to the uh, power that has been to where you and I to be like, okay, if we're trying to set ourselves up to be, like, great-grandma, great-grandpa that can really, truly create generations above us that are proud of us and generations after us that respect us and have really learned what is it that we're really going to give them and money is not the thing it could, it yeah it's like it's not the thing we're not saying that it shouldn't be part of we want it to be part of it yeah, obviously we're, 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 we're working <laughs> we're working really hard um but it's not the most important thing is the right. is the difference like i do think that i mean if you look around and observe at least in my life property is much more likely to be held onto in a family than actual like money, just like basic money, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so that's interesting, um, because that's real wealth as well, like Mm -hmm. something tangible. Um, but yeah, being able to like heal wounds that have been in our families for generations is like the Mm -hmm. most, it's like the most wealth I could imagine Mm -hmm. receiving, having received from my parents and didn't, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, in many ways. So, yeah. Yeah, that book that your dad gave me, um, I don't want to talk about it, by Terry Real. It was a really powerful one for considering things like that. Um, get into that some other time. But, well, thank you for joining me. I so grateful that you took this time to sit with me and help me get this started you know i appreciate your encouragement um hopefully i'll have you back to sit with me many many times in the future yes um but i appreciate it so much i know that i always get a lot of value sitting across from you and it was really a pleasure to be able to tell you why i love you and to hear your thoughts on it and i hope that anybody out there who's listening got value out of it too well i gotta say it was really a pleasure for me (laughs) (laughs) thank you that's something that i thought you know i really wanted to share i really wanted to tell everyone why i love them so i could hear them reflect on it but it will be cool to have a concept of a show where i just people just get to sit there and listen to me compliment them yeah it's really nice (laughs) it's very sweet uh maybe thomas will be next we'll see do you have any final thoughts on any of the vast topics that we touched on is there anything you'd like to say for the greater good or about yourself no pressure i don't think so this was really fun yeah i really had a nice time talking to you about this stuff we could go on for a long time i feel like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i've already got the next episode loaded up because we recorded it like eight months ago yeah when we first tried to start the podcast yeah we'll be uh you'll be on here again and then hell yeah yeah hopefully more (laughs) more and more um well I love you. Love you.
Goodbye, everyone. Bye. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for today, folks. Thank you so much for listening. And if you would like to support the show, you can make a donation on PayPal. You can find me at Mr. Paul Bry at M R P A U L B R I. Or feel free to pick up a copy of my book uh, recently on Amazon called International Backpacking and Domestic Travel What I Learned While Traveling the World, a comprehensive how to guidebook. You'll find that link below in the show notes. Take care, thanks again, and grow food, not fear.